Is Antichrist one man? For years, for centuries, in the churches, they have been teaching that Antichrist is one man. In the book War and Peace, written by Tolstoy around 1800-1810, he said that the Russian people thought Napoleon was the Antichrist. At that time, Napoleon was attacking Russia. I'm sure in the 1940s, many would have thought Hitler to be the Antichrist. When I first started attending churches in 1975, the women were talking about Antichrist, and I said, what's that? It's the first time I'd ever heard of Antichrist. And then they explained, we think Antichrist is Henry Kissinger, who was a politician at that time. They didn't explain why they thought that. I know there are some people who thought John F. Kennedy was Antichrist. My Church of Christ aunt thought the Catholic Church was Antichrist. She got closer than everybody to the real subject. But not just the Catholic Church. All church groups that depart from Scripture and approve sin in the church are Antichrist. Is Antichrist one man or is he many men? Let's look at what the Bible shows us. Actually, Paul, both Paul and John defined this for us and showed us the truth. First, let's look at John. 1 John chapter 2. John says to the church, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrist, whereby we know it is the last time. Basically, the last time began in the lives of Paul and John. But they have become rampant in the churches today where they have withdrawn, gone against Scripture. And this is a real sign of Antichrist and of Jesus returning for the church. But let's look once again at this passage of Scripture, which is in 1 John chapter 2, where John says, There are already many Antichrists among us. Verse 19, he says, They went out from us, but they were not all of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. The Apostle Paul talks about the same thing in Acts 20. And he defines it. He says, There's, these people are sitting there among you right now. He's talking to the elders of the church at Ephesus. And in verse 29 of Acts 20, Paul says, For I know this, that after my departing, 
shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. Acts 20, verses 29-30. Antichrist, these Antichrists were there in that church group at the time of Paul when he spoke to the elders at Ephesus. They were there among the elders. Paul defines it for us in Second Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. In 1982, when I read this scripture of this falling away, it wasn't going to be people leaving the church group. It was going to be church groups leaving the scripture and setting up other doctrines. I heard that very clearly from God. And when the church groups permitted doctrine to be changed in the church, when they permitted it to be changed from the Bible, that allowed the man of sin to be revealed in the congregation, among the congregation, among the ministers. All the people who went along with the discarding of Scripture and accepted a new doctrine are Antichrist, opposite to Christ. And there are many of them. Scriptures such as Matthew 5.32, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, says Jesus. Is that what they're teaching at the church you attend? Or are they having classes where divorced women can meet men and marry? And performing these marriages in the congregation between the divorced women and the men. When the man when it says Jesus says the man who marries her that is divorced committeth adultery. Matthew 5.32. See how it's been changed? There are many churches who say to the women, Oh, God forgives you. He wants you to be happy. Certainly you can remarry. When Paul said it's a commandment of the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled with her husband. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. You see how the doctrines have been changed in the churches today? That's Antichrist. There are many other doctrines that have been changed away from what the New Testament Bible says. In the 70s, I attended a church in Dallas called Word of Faith. Robert Tilton was pastor. There was a man who was teaching our Bible class. He was a divorced man. And he was an elder at that church at Word of Faith. Now this is impossible to have a divorced man be an elder. 
because the rules for being an elder, which you can read about both in one of the chapters in Timothy as well as Titus chapter 1, is that an elder must be the husband of one wife. He must have multiple children, and the children have to demonstrate that they are under control. Otherwise, how can a man care for the church? He can't be a single man or a divorced man and be an elder, according to the Bible. And according to the Bible, elder and bishop, elder and bishop are the same thing. They're used interchangeably in Titus chapter 1. So you can read that. If you know the New Testament Bible, you're going to see these wrong things when a church is doing wrong things. If you know the Bible. But so many people don't know the Bible. And the experience I've had with Catholics is they're even taught not to read the Bible. I had a housekeeper for years who was a Catholic. And one day she came to me, I was reading the Bible, and she said, aren't you afraid to read that? Well, I have a very healthy respect when I'm reading the Bible. Often I pray for God to give me wisdom as I'm reading. But I also know that it is by the Bible that we are corrected and reprove our doctrine and move into godliness by the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God, 2 Timothy chapter 3. So I do approach it carefully. I won't say I'm afraid of it, but I'm careful with the Bible. She, but she'd been taught by the Catholic Church to be afraid to read it, that people like her should not read the Bible. I've heard this from multiple Catholics, not from every Catholic, but from multiple Catholics. There was a very famous Indian, American Indian potter, Margaret Tafoya. I had the opportunity to become acquainted with her. And she told me this story. She wanted her seven children to go to the McCurdy Mission School because they would teach them the Bible. The priest called her in and said, you can't do this. You've got to send your children to the Catholic Church school on the reservation. You can't send them to McCurdy Mission School. Margaret said to the priest, but I want them to study the Bible. And this priest said to her, people like you don't need to read the Bible. We will tell you what you need to know. She, was, she told me, she said, but I wanted my children to study the Bible. So I took them out of the Catholic school and sent them to a school where they taught the Bible. And she said, oh, the priest was so upset. He put me out of the church. And he told me, you can never confess your sins again. Apparently, Margaret was a very religious woman. 
and frequently confessed her sins. And he knew that would penetrate at a point that would really hurt her. You can never confess your sins again. And Margaret said, when he said that to her, she said, oh, I don't know what overcame me. But I said to him, I don't have to confess my sins to a man like you. I'll just confess them to the Lord. And she said, oh, he got so mad at her. And he put her out of the church. And she said, I can not be buried on the church property. And I explained to her, it doesn't matter where we are buried. My own cousin, uh, she was a, she was really nothing. She didn't attend any church. Her husband died, and she was telling me about, she was going to his grave to decorate his grave. And I said, why? Who are you trying to impress? Thurman is dead. He's asleep. He does not know you're there decorating that grave. So who is it you're trying to impress? She got very quiet. And then she said, Well then, it doesn't really matter where we're buried. And I said, That's right. Because when you die, you're asleep. When you are asleep in the night, you don't know where you are. And that's the same thing death is. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. That's uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. They will rise into the air to meet Jesus. And then those who are still alive will be changed instantly. And they will rise in the air to meet Jesus. God has created a new heaven and a new earth whereby everyone that belongs to Jesus will be taken. And the new heaven and new earth is described for us in Revelation 21. The Apostle John saw it and talked about it. It's the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, the new earth, because this present heaven and earth will be destroyed. You can't live on it because it's going to be burned up at the end after the Great Tribulation. If you want to read about that, that's 2 Peter chapter 3. There are so many strange ways of thinking in churches. Some people even think that the dead people watch over the living. When Jesus described the dead people are asleep, he described that when he talked about Lazarus. His disciples said to him, well, if he's sleeping, he does well, thinking Jesus meant natural sleep. And Jesus plainly said, Lazarus is dead. He showed that the dead people are asleep. They can't be watching over the living. You aren't watching over anybody when you're sleeping. That's what dead people are like. But the churches teach all these strange doctrines. They say, oh, he's gone to be with the Lord. He's asleep. And when Jesus returns, if he belongs to Jesus, Jesus returns with a shout and with the trump of the Lord. And the dead in Christ will rise first. That's in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. Jesus 
Dead people cannot be watching over you. Dead people are not going to be having card games uh, while they wait for the new creation. They're asleep. They're not going to be doing anyway, anything. They are certainly not going to be know, knowing that you decorated their grave. That's a pagan act. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise first. He will gather them to him in the air because this present heaven and earth are going to be destroyed. So he will gather the dead people to himself in the air and then he gathers the living to himself in the air because not all the people are going to be dead when Jesus returns. Some will still be alive. We know that because of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. But the people who are still alive are going to be changed. In the blink of an eye, you'll be given a new form, which is of God. You won't have these fleshly bodies in heaven because there will be no pain in heaven. And these fleshly bodies create pain. You'll have a new form of, shall I say, body or spirit. You'll have a new form in heaven. You won't look like you do now. The scriptures I'm quoting on this, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, 2 Peter 3, and Revelation 21. So if you want to correct your doctrine, correct it by the scriptures. There's so many wrong things being taught at churches today. It's Antichrist. Well, it used to be terribly disturbing to me, and it's still disturbing. But not as disturbing as it used to be because God opened my eyes to see 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul shows that these things, this falling away, had to happen before Jesus could return. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, start at verse 3. Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first. Churches were going to fall away from Scripture. That allows Antichrist to take over. Paul says, And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's what's happening in the churches today. The stage is set for the return of Jesus. It could happen any time. Because all of these Antichrist spirits are operating in the churches today. And setting up doctrines other than the ones, opposite to the ones that we read in the Bible, in the New Testament. Paul says that in the latter days before Jesus returns, there will be many evil 
men in the churches. And deceptions will be rampant. And these men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And Paul calls these latter days perilous times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This was going to be in the churches because then Paul says in verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. They deny the power of the scriptures to rule over them. But they are in the churches. Paul says from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jannes and Aunt Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Then in verse 13, Paul says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. This is going to be in the churches. Deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. What is the sign of the end times? What did Jesus tell his disciples? Matthew 24, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. They will come, saying, I'm a Christian, Jesus is Lord, and we will just take them in without watching to see what they do. 
For if they're really of God, they follow the Spirit of God. If they're really of God, they have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. When I see a person demonstrate that, I pay attention to that person. I rarely see it and hardly ever have I seen it in any church group that I have been in. They followed their churches. They followed their preachers. But I don't have them hear them saying, I'm doing this because God told me to do this, because God brought a scripture to me to show me to do this, because God gave me a dream showing me to do this. When they say that to me, I'll pay attention. Recently, a woman wrote me. She had, she lives in Germany, and she had discovered me, so to speak, on uh, podcast and blog. And she wrote to me, and she said, oh, she had such a wonderful pastor, and she praised him, and she praised her church group. I sent her a correction today. I said to her, I didn't, I heard you praise praise your pastor and say how wonderful he was, but I didn't hear you say one word about how wonderful God is. When you are led by the Spirit of God, you're going to be following what God has told you to do, and you are going to be sharing with other people that God is the one who told you to do this. A Catholic woman who was an acquaintance of mine and a friend would watch me make decisions and do things. And she just marveled at what I was doing. And I would say, no, God showed me to do this. It was God who told me to do this. It was God who approved my doing this. I would hear her tell other people what I had done, and she would never mention God. It was always what Joan had done. And as I stood there and heard her say this, I always said to them, No, I wasn't the one doing it. It was God who showed me to do it. He gave me a dream and showed me to do this. He brought me a word showing me to do this. It was God who did it. That's praising God. But few people in churches praise God. They may say, oh, praise the Lord, praise God. I've seen them say that when they're doing exactly opposite to the Bible. One time I I visited a little non-denominational church. I was looking for a church to attend. The pastor was teaching And a woman jumped up, began waving her arms in the air and screaming, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And she ran all the way around the room screaming, praise the Lord. And the people in the congregation laughed and were so happy. And the pastor laughed and was so happy. I was horrified. I knew that wasn't God. That was another spirit that took over that woman. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit would never interrupt the church service that way, as this woman did. 
while she's saying praise the Lord, she is denying the scripture by doing the opposite. Paul said, let everything be done decently and in order in the gathering of the church. This was out of order. The pastor should have stopped her. Obviously, he thought it was the Spirit of God, too. I never went back to that church group. Well, actually, after that one church group, the pastor told something that wasn't even in the Bible. I called the next day and said, where is that in the Bible? He first said, well, I I can't remember. And I said to him, it's very important for me to know where that is in the Bible. Will you please look it up and have your secretary call me and tell me where it is in the Bible? He got very silent. And then he screamed out, okay, it's not in the Bible. Angry. No repentance. No remorse. No saying, oh, I'm so sorry. It's not in the Bible. First, he tried to trick me. I can't remember where it is. He didn't admit the truth. It's not in the Bible. Until I asked him to have his, to look it up and have his secretary call me and tell me. Then he admitted it, but he was angry. I see that all the time. I run into that constantly. If you don't see wrongdoing in a church service, perhaps you're not reading the Bible, the New Testament. Perhaps you're just letting these doctrines go and not paying any attention to them and trusting your pastor and delighting in your church group more than you delight in the Word of God. Well, that's all Antichrist, and you're a part of it if you're sitting there among them where wrong things are being taught and approved. You're Antichrist too. You're part of it if you're sitting there among them. So you're going to have to make decisions. Am I going to go with the New Testament Bible and this scripture, or am I going to stay at this church group? For Antichrist is rampant today. And there's not just one Antichrist. There's not just one devil. It's a spirit in many people. And all of the people who go along with things that are opposite from the Bible and approve men marrying divorced women, things like that, that's Antichrist, opposite from Bible. For Jesus said, Whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committeth adultery. Matthew 5.32 These scriptures will be written out for you to review. They're on our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations. You can go to our blog and click on podcast and you'll find these scriptures that I've spoken today written out for you. Again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.